Hello and welcome to episode one of the Proper Video Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Amir and the show is produced by Apricot Video Marketing. So why, first of all, should you spend your your time, your precious time, listening to me and this show? Well, the purpose of the show isn't to promote ourselves, but it's to share pretty much everything we know and that we've learned about this medium that we love very much and that we're very, very passionate about. So I've worked in online video since before YouTube launched and as an agency we've been going for around eight years so in that time myself and the agency we've learned a lot, we've made some errors uh, and we really want to use this podcast as a platform to do our bit to help improve video marketing practice and we feel that there's a need to do that because what we've seen over the years is some great video marketing practice for sure but also a lot of misunderstandings about what video marketing is and how to get the most out of video content. So video marketing isn't just making some content and putting it onto your onto your website or onto YouTube. It really, really isn't. There's a lot more to it than that. And we really want to go deep into the discipline on this podcast. So we feel there's a science part to video marketing. There's the art part to video marketing. And I'd say there's even a dark art in places. And we want to delve into all of that. For example, we want to share a lot of insights that we've learned. So we've analysed over two and a half million seconds of video performance data um, since we launched. And there is going to be a whole episode on that. But yeah, we really just want to share everything that we've learned, pull in industry experts when we can, and really just create podcasts that people find genuinely helpful and useful. On the subject of uh, helpful and useful, <laughs> there are going to be show notes that accompany uh, each and every episode. And to find them, simply go to apricotvideomarketing.com forward slash podcast. And then you will find each of the show notes broken down into the episodes there. Although in this episode, you're stuck with me. In the coming episodes, I'm going to be interviewing CMOs, uh, brand strategists and other industry experts about how they approach video marketing uh, and what they found to work best for for them really going to be digging deep into that so we can all learn uh, what's working for for other people i'm also going to be diving into some of my favorite books about marketing storytelling and persuasion and then tying it all back to uh, to video marketing and really linking it to the things that i've learned and we've learned over the years about those really key principles marketing persuasion and storytelling But for the first four episodes, what I'm going to be doing is talking through what we at Apricot call the four pillars of video marketing. And these are really just four key principles I guess we've come to understand pretty deeply over the years that by embracing them really helps you to get the very best out of your video content. Again, regardless of what kind of video content you're making, whether you're doing stuff by yourself on your phone for social media, or whether you're running and coordinating large-scale Uh, multi-channel campaigns. So the first pillar of video marketing is video strategy. That's right, the S word we're going to be talking about today. And it's an interesting one because over the years I've found that strategy is really misunderstood as 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 a principle in business, not just marketing or video. And we've seen it conflated with uh, goals, with channels and with tactics. 
So, for example, we've seen and heard businesses say that, you know, their their strategy for the year is to be number one in the category. Well, that's an objective. It's not a strategy. We've heard jet setting social media influencers saying that, you know, the best strategy of 2019 is Instagram. Well, clearly that's a channel. It's not a strategy. And we've heard people say that their key growth strategy is pay-per-click. Well, that's a tactic. It's not a strategy. And the issue that I take with that being conflated so often is that if people don't understand a concept, any concept for that matter, you can't use it. So what we want to do in this episode is really tidy up and clear up what strategy is, what video strategy is, why you need it, and then dig into how you can create one yourself. So let's start with definitions. And the way that I think of strategy is that it's a set effectively of guiding principles based on a diagnosis and in relation to a specific goal that helps to inform the best tactics to meet that goal. So I've used specific goal in there. What that means is that there is no best strategy that exists in isolation. Strategies should really only exist in relation to a specific goal because that's what they're there to help you do. A strategy is there to help you hit a specific goal. So in many ways, understanding what strategy is, where it fits in our work, comes down to how we structure our work. And what I mean by that is, and I've kind of hinted about it in what I've said so far, is we structure our work looking at a goal, looking at what the business need is, figuring out what the objective is, and then we devise a strategy for that goal. So the strategy sits underneath the goal, and that strategy helps to inform which tactics we use and what we don't use. So the tactics come underneath strategy. So it's goal, strategy, and tactics. And now I'm gonna go to a book and read a little bit from a book, one of my favorite books, from one of my favorite authors about this structure, goal, strategy, and tactics. It's Seth Godin's This Is Marketing. So I am just going to dive into the book now. Your goal is a change you seek to make in the world. It could be the self-focused goal of earning money, but it's more likely to be the change you seek to make in those that you serve. Your goal is your shining light, the unwavering destination of your work. Your strategy is a long-lasting way in which you're investing in reaching that goal. Your strategy sits above your tactics. A strategy might be to earn trust and attention. A strategy might be to be seen as the best and maybe only alternative. A strategy might be to have alliances and partnerships that enable you and your message to reach exactly the right people. The way you use stories, status and connection to create tension and forward motion is a strategy. A strategy, if successful, gets you closer to your goal. You might need to change your strategy if it fails, but you don't want to do it often. And the tactics? The tactics are the dozen or hundreds of steps you'll take on behalf of your strategy. If a tactic fails, that's okay, because another one can take its place and support the strategy you have in mind. You can change tactics the moment you decide that they're not helping you achieve your strategy any longer. And we will come back to that book um, a little later on. But what a wonderful, succinct way of helping us to understand the role of strategy within our work. Now, obviously, it looked like Seth was perhaps writing about something that wasn't a video campaign, maybe a brand strategy or business strategy. But the principle and the structure is still the same, whether we're talking about a brand strategy or if we're talking about a video campaign. 
So let's look at some of the components that a strategy comprises of. So first, what we need to do is have a diagnosis. We need to look at what the business needs. And also we need to look in terms of video marketing and what the category is doing in terms of the video content. I'll come to why in a moment. But first, looking at the business needs, because what we need first is to define a goal. It needs to be a worthy goal. It needs to be a goal that's going to actually help the business. So by diagnosing the business needs, maybe the marketing funnel, we can look at what needs to be addressed in terms of where we're going to point this video campaign at. That's going to help us to create and define our goal. Now, I said we want to have a look at category content. You could call it a category content analysis. So the purpose of this is to really see if you can spot trends in content types, in styles, in overall approaches to video marketing within a category. And why do we want to do this? We, we want to do this so we can avoid using category conventions too much because what we don't want to do is create work that just filters into everything else and just becomes a part of the noise. As Mark Ritson says, when you release a piece of marketing they need to know that it's you and they're not going to know that it's you if you're making stuff that looks like everybody else so your category content analysis is a really important part of this so diagnosing the business needs is going to help us come up with a, an, an objective or a goal so therefore then this strategy that we're building is going to be specific to this objective there is no best strategy in isolation I have been asked in the past what's the best video marketing strategy and that question doesn't make any sense because strategies only really exist or they should only exist in relation to a specific goal or objective so we need to state our goal then we need to look at who this is for who's our audience and be specific as we can be and depending on the type of the project that we're going to be doing we're going to be approaching this in a couple of different ways in terms of our video campaign so if the project is going to be long-term brand building in nature then we're going to be taking more of a mass approach to uh, audience definition so that means we're going to be looking at everyone in the category. And that's gonna help us build brand awareness and build that brand salience and fame over time. If we're looking to do more shorter term or sales activation campaigns, we need to be more targeted and that's where we need to get our segmentation hat on and look exactly at who it is that we're going for, who it is that we want to target and define those in very, very, very clear terms. But in either way, whether we're going long term or short term, we want to go beyond simple demographics and we want to consider the worldviews and psychographics of the people that we want to connect with. And that's that word connect is really important in video marketing because video has got the potential to be super, super emotive. You know, we can make people laugh, we can make people cry, we can scare people, we can inspire people, we can entertain people. Um, but the thing is, none of that happens by accident. <laughs> you don't get lucky and, you know, make people laugh or make people feel something or make people become introspective and reflect upon themselves. That doesn't happen by accident. So what we need to do is get a really good, comprehensive understanding of our audience. And then what we want to do is write down and create our position or a guiding principle. And what that is, it's a really important part of a strategy. And it's effectively a very meaningful statement or a sentence that's got built-in leverage that's gonna help us to filter choices and help us make the best tactical decisions. So 
I'm going to go back to this as marketing in a moment because Seth has a couple of uh, fantastic uh, examples. But also, you can look at someone like Brewdog, and what they do in terms of their positioning is to position themselves against their competition. So they've done lots of adverts and ad campaigns in the past where they're actively positioning themselves against beer that they see as rubbish beer, low-quality beer compared to theirs. So that is a, a very powerful position, it's got a lot of leverage and it gives them a lot of ability to really understand the kind of tactics, the content of those ads that are gonna really help them to fulfill that strategy and then to help them hit their goal. So I promise that we're gonna go back to the book for a couple more passages from Seth. So back to the book. For generations, Coca-Cola had a simple goal, to get more people to drink more Coke. Their strategy was to run an enormous number of ads to persuade the mass market that Coke was part of the culture that made them happy and that everyone else was drinking it too. And the ads kept changing because the content of the ad was a tactic. Continuing, Patagonia's goal is to get a tiny group of outdoor enthusiasts to care about the environment and to express that they care by wearing Patagonia apparel. In their words, these are all silent sports. None require a motor, none deliver the cheer of a crowd. In each sport, reward comes from the form of a hard-won grace and moments of connection between us and nature. Their strategy is to redefine the way that some people think about environmental impact as well as clothing quality. To give that small group a label and the tool that they can use to evangelize their vision to their friends. To create insiders and outsiders and their tactics range from finding new ways to recycle clothes to placing stores in brick buildings to choices about material selection and price. When a tactic fails, they don't abandon their strategy, the same one they've had for more than 30 years. So these strategies that Seth Godin mentions in his book obviously can be fleshed out and further developed. These are sort of like top-line strategies. So in terms of position or a guiding principle that we're looking for, let's take the Coke example. Their strategy was to run an enormous number of ads to persuade the mass market that Coke was part of the culture that made them happy and everyone else was drinking it too. So I'd say that their guiding principle was to persuade the mass market that Coke was a part of the culture that made them happy and to signal that everyone else was drinking it too. So do you see how those statements, those positions, those guiding principles, they really, really help to effectively create a litmus test or a filter for our tactics. So you can see the power of developing a position or a guiding principle because it just gives you so much guidance and leverage, leverage to hit your goal, leverage to outmaneuver the, the competition. And really what we're doing when we create a strategy, it's helping us to understand and decide what tactics we want to run with and the tactics we want to avoid. And in relation to video marketing, what that enables us to do is to come up with different ideas for videos, different formats for, for videos, and then test them against that strategy. So even before you've written a script, even before you've shouted action and you know got actors doing what they do, we're already making sure that this video project, this video campaign is working for the business, for the brand, and it's helping to make a significant impact because it's related to the strategy, which is inherently related to a goal that's related to a diagnosis that you did on a specific business need. It's linking 
everything together. So that brings us on to why strategy is so important in video marketing. Developing your work in this way, using the structure, goal strategy, and then looking at your tactics, what you're doing is providing yourself with leverage. Think back to some of those uh, positioning statements and those guiding principles. And now think about going into a video project without something like that. Where are you going to start? How are you going to make meaningful decisions that are actually going to help your brand? You're going to struggle simply because you're going to be taking a bit of a scattergun approach. It's not going to be focused on anything. You won't know what to measure and you won't know if it's helping. So video strategy gives us that guidance of to what to make and what to avoid. Because fundamentally what we're trying to do is create content that stands out, that hits objectives and genuinely helps your brand and is distinctively you. And without strategy, you simply cannot do that. Without strategy and going straight to tactics, you've got random content that's serving no specific purpose and it's not going to be cohesive. So if you're creating multiple pieces of content over a campaign or over a year, for example, there's very little chance that there's going to be any cohesiveness in terms of style and in terms of direction. And again, if you're creating video content that's not distinctively you, you're losing the battle before you've even started because again, as Ritson says, first they need to know that it's you. Okay, so at this stage, we have now looked at what video strategy is and why we need it, why it's so fundamentally important to video marketing success. But how do we put one together? How do we construct a video strategy? So we're gonna look at that now. So I'm going to go through and pose some questions to you to think about. And in answering those questions, you'll have a workable video strategy. Let's start at the beginning, always a sensible place to start. And that is diagnosis. So let's look at your brand. What's the one thing that you need to improve upon or develop? What would help you the most in the growth and the development of the business? This is what we need to consider in relation to our video campaign. So a good thing to do to identify areas to improve is to analyze your funnel. That's one way you can do it. Where are the weak points? Is it going to be top of the funnel? Or is it the middle of the funnel, like the consideration stage? Or is it something further down the funnel? Perhaps it's conversion, things like that. So some specifics could be that are we looking to increase brand awareness? Is that what's going to help us? What about share of voice? Share of voice is obviously really important because it's a future predictor of share of market. So increasing your share of voice against your competitors can help you to increase your share of market. Maybe, you know, you're getting plenty of of awareness, plenty of traffic. Lots of people know you, but there just aren't enough inquiries. So maybe something around that. Or maybe you're wanting to uh, increase engagement on your social channels, or maybe it's just a plain old boost in sales. So you need to choose one and only one thing to improve uh, with your project or your video campaign. I read a book earlier in the year called Predatory Thinking by a chap called Dave Trott. And it's really about creative thinking and outsmarting your competition through creative thoughts. And there's an excellent quote that I'm going to share with you uh, about the importance of one thing thinking, or to put it in other words, focusing in on what is most essential. So from the book, that's why we need people to make the effort to decide what is absolutely essential. Welding a JCB to a Ferrari doesn't make a machine that can dig roads at 200 miles per hour. It makes something that can't do either job properly. And that's from Predatory Thinking by Dave Trott. Very, very good book. Highly recommended. 
So that analogy there really sums up the importance behind committing to and choosing a single goal, a single metric to improve upon, because then you can design and optimize everything in your campaign, your video campaign around that one thing, that one thing that you know is gonna improve your brand. Yes, I know it's seductive to want to add things in, so you could very well start out with the right approach, saying that you want to increase brand awareness, but then you could fall into the trap of saying, okay, and let's make this campaign about boosting sales as well. But what's happening there is it's basically naivety and it's hurting your campaign before you launch because you'll end up, as the quote uh, by Dave Trott suggests, you'll end up doing neither. So sum up this section. To sum up here, we are going to look at the brand and we're going to choose one thing, one thing for the objective and we get there from a diagnosis of what we need. One thing thinking helps us to succeed with video marketing campaigns. So that's the first part of our strategy. So next, now we've got that, we need to dig into who we are making this content for. Who is the audience? And earlier I spoke about going one of two ways with this. If the project is brand building in nature, then because of the long-term nature of building a brand and the approach and mindset you take to it, you're going to be want to be mass targeted. And by mass targeted, I mean everyone in the category, of course. So let's take the example of night. Brand building campaigns tend not to focus on a specific segment like tennis fans uh, or footballers, for example. It might include those, but it's going to include others as well, because what they're trying to do is reach the mass market and evoke emotion and then tie that back to their brand and their overall mission. Their overall mission, of course, is to inspire all athletes. Nike's definition of an athlete is somebody with a body. But then if they're going to be more short term focused, let's say for a product launch or a specific tournament, like Wimbledon or maybe the World Cup, you'll notice that they segment down. They're very, very specific because they're looking to activate a certain subset of the market, not all of it. And they do this with confidence because Nike skillfully blend both short and long-term campaigns. They don't feel like they're missing out on something if they're segmenting down because they know they're going to get to the mass market and other segments over time. So I'm going to go into more detail on a future episode, but there is an amazingly insightful report called The Long and Short of It by Les Binette and Peter Field. And it draws upon about 30 years worth of data from really uh, awesome marketing campaigns and looks at what approach yields the most effectiveness for brand growth. And unsurprisingly, giving the name of the report, it's by taking a both short and long term approach to campaigns. So we're going to dig into that at a later date and probably have uh, an entire episode about that. But for now, all we need to take away is depending on the kind of campaign that we're running, we're going to approach our audience definition in different ways. So if it's brand building, long term in nature, we're targeting the category. If it's short term activation, then we're going to want to be very targeted. So define the audience. But as I said again earlier, don't just describe them as a job title or an age bracket or a gender. We've got to go into the worldviews of our audience. So we're using empathy to get to understand them and really build a persona that takes those worldviews and psychographics into account. And empathy really, really is the key to this. And there's going to be an entire episode on empathy, probably the next episode, because it's the second pillar of video marketing. But for now, I'm going to leave it there 
Uh, but also say that it applies to B2B as well as it does B2C because no matter what we're selling, whether it's yoga pants or computer solutions, we're selling to human beings. So why do we do all of this? Why do we go into the worldviews and use empathy uh, and lean on that as part of our video strategy? Well, that's so that when we're designing the video, we'll have a much greater understanding of the kind of messaging, the kind of semiotics and the persuasion techniques that we need to use for this audience to create content that resonates with them. Like I said earlier, you don't create good quality content that engages audience by accident. So answer the question, who's it for? Who's this campaign or project for in as much detail as you can and build a persona around that. Right, so the next part of our strategy is to define our position or our guiding principle. So let's remember the purpose of this. We need this section of our video strategy because A, it's going to give us leverage to hit our goal and outmaneuver the competition. But we also need this because by defining it, we're creating a filter or a guide to the tactics that we're going to use and what we're going to avoid. So let's take an example from earlier. Uh, and let's say that we're running a video campaign for Coca-Cola. Their strategy, as Seth Godin defined in his book, This Is Marketing, was to persuade the mass market that Coke was part of the culture that made them happy and that everyone else was drinking it. That was their strategy. So bearing that in mind is to say, making a, a video about the great taste of Coke, a tactic that's on strategy. Will making a video that's about the taste of Coke persuade the mass market that Coke is part of the culture that makes them happy? Well, no, not really. I don't think that making a video about how great Coca-Cola tastes is the most effective thing that you can do, bearing that guiding principle in mind. So what we do is we avoid it. This is why Mark Ritson repeatedly says that a strategy is as much about what we don't do as much as it is what we actually do. That guiding principle of persuading the mass market that Coke was a part of the culture that makes people happy has helped us to avoid something that would not be an optimal investment. So how do we go about developing one? Well, consider this question. What conditions must be true in order for us to hit our goal? So back to Coke. Coke wanted more people to drink Coke. So in order for this to happen, they realized that if they, through their marketing campaigns, made their drink seem as though it was part of the culture that made people happy and that everyone else was drinking it, then the chances were that more people would want to drink it. So to put it in other words, if they succeeded in making the mass market think that Coca-Cola was part of the culture that made them happy and everyone else was drinking it, then more people would be persuaded to drink it. They would increase sales. So although that principle is fairly broad, it also has a very strong direction. So again, thinking broadly, but with a clear direction, what must be true in order for you to hit your goal as stated before? You just need a couple of sentences at most. One concise sentence is absolutely perfect. And then that's it. You have your filter, your litmus test for your tactics and your guide that you follow that will help you to hit your goal. So after this, the next part of our video strategy is that we need to define the channels that we're going to use. How are we going to distribute the content and then how are we going to measure success? So you can think of channels as pipes, basically, that connect you to your audience and then your content is what you put through your pipes. The channels will be largely determined by your audience. Say, for example, your audience sits in the B2B space. Then in terms of channels, you might want to focus 80% on LinkedIn and use promoted posts to maximize the reach. Or maybe it's going to be Instagram story ads that's going to be the best bet or even shock horror TV. Yep, that's right. TV. TV is still very much a key channel, but it's overlooked 
because it's seen as traditional, but it's still very, very effective. And it also has the added benefit of delivering a signal that the other channels don't. So by signal, a signal isn't your message. Your message is your message. The signal is what's implied by the quality of video, the platform you're on, effectively everything else that surrounds your message. Signals connect to the unconscious and they are super, super important and they're very, very powerful. So let's say a guy walks into a room and yells, I'm the smartest person in here. That's his message. I'm the smartest person in here is his message. The signal, the signal is that the guy is an utter knob <laughs> and needs to be avoided. That's the difference there between signals and messages. And you've got to be mindful of the signals that you're giving off. So think of the difference in running an ad on YouTube to being an ad at the Super Bowl. The same message could be played in both places, but the signals are very, very different. And in many ways, the signal can be louder than the message. So that's a little bit of a detour there, but worthwhile because signals are really, really important uh, and often overlooked in marketing. So once we've defined the channels and the distribution, we need a KPI, that one metric of success that's telling us if we're making forward progress or not. Unfortunately, because we're gonna have such a, a tightly defined objective, identifying the KPI should be very, very simple. Okay, so there we have it. Video strategy, the first pillar of video marketing. If I've done my job well and you've listened to this all the way through, right now you should understand what strategy is, why you need it, and how to develop one for your video campaign. We've covered the elements of strategy in detail and we've walked through how to put one together. Strategic thinking can really be the difference between a great video campaign and a poor one. It's the difference between a strong ROI and losing money on a campaign. And it's a difference between perpetual forward motion and the growth of your brand and stagnating or being overtaken by the competition. Video strategy really is that important. Of course, there's more strategy than covered in this uh, single podcast. Books are written in great detail on the subject. And if you're looking for a book on strategy, I recommend Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by Richard Rummel. But what we've covered here today is more than enough to get you moving forward and using strategy in an intelligent way for the benefit of your business. So next time we're going to be diving into empathy, which is a second pillar of video marketing, understanding and knowing how to use empathy in video, because it's going to help us to create work that stands out to those people that we seek to serve. I've heard empathy described as uh, just another marketing buzzword. If people are saying that, then they don't really understand what empathy is and how it's used in marketing. It's at the epicenter of all great marketing and it always has been. So that's going to be our focus next time. But for now, Thank you so much for listening to this very first episode. My name's Amir, and this has been episode one of the Proper Video Marketing Podcast. Please send any comments or questions to me on Twitter. I am apricot underscore Amir on there, so I look forward to hearing from you. And again, thank you very much for listening, and let's speak soon. Cheers.